Welcome to the Coaching Kool-Aid. In today's episode, we'll be speaking about the idea of an authentic self. Where does it come from? What does it mean? Is it real? Is anything real? Nah, don't worry, we don't go that deep. As always, we'll start with a bit of historical background, look at some potential problems with the use of the term authentic self in coaching, and finish off with some ideas about how we could incorporate it into our coaching practice in a more effective way. And just a heads up, the sound quality shifts a little drastically in the second half of this one. We've now got some proper recording equipment and swear on our authentic selves that it won't happen again. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey, Renee. Hey, Mel. Are you being your authentic self right now? Not at all. Hey, Mel. Hey, yeah. Who are you? Do you mean who is my authentic self? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. That's a hard question, isn't it? Is it? Have you ever thought about it? Uh, only after watching Zoolander and seeing that scene where he looks into the, his reflection in the gutter and says, Who am I? <laughs> And I think his reflection replies. Well, I've been thinking about the authentic self a bit lately. Mm-hmm. In, within popular culture, you see it everywhere, right? You you mentioned Zoolander. So <laughs> I keep thinking of how many Disney yeah. films there are that basically are about the, the main characters finding their authentic self. Specifically the self that is smothered by social forces telling them that it's wrong to be that way. And ultimately they need to find their path to to come out. Actually, so that raises a question then, because when we were talking about mindset, it was very, very much that word being used, Mm. mindset, mindset, mindset. But the way you're describing the use of authentic self is that it's potentially not been so overt. It's been a theme, potentially, in movies. But also, do you sense that lately, actually, those two words, authentic self, have been used? I don't think it's lately. I think it's been since the 1970s. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just a really interesting concept that probably needs to get unpacked a little bit, particularly in regard to coaching. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hard to unpack anything without looking at its social construction. And I think because the concept is everywhere in so much popular culture, it's something that we accept more readily when we see it. Yes. I mean, one of my favourite films of all time, The Neverending Story, you know, there's that moment when he looks in the mirror, the boy reading the story realises that he is a trail or whatever, and there's that sense of, oh my God, who am I really? And that whole idea of Mm -hmm. self-identity, frozen... Another one of my... No, I'm kidding. (laughs) That ice movie, is it? (laughs) The snow movie. Like you say, it's been around since the 70s. But do you get a sense that it's... In popular culture, yeah. Yeah, that it's being used a little bit more recently? I think it's... No. I think the concept is so ingrained in our culture that we don't even realise... People don't even... Yeah, right. But the term authentic self, I think, is a huge part of coaching online. I think... I mean, when you Google authentic self, so many coaching websites come up. It seems to be a foundational thing. Right. So I think that's why it's worth discussing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we Googled uh, authentic self. We did. And you know how Google puts suggestions. People also ask, how do I find my authentic self? <laughs> the answer, of course, the first one that comes up is 10 easy steps to become your most authentic self. So it's... 
Yeah. <laughs> One of our favourite things. Easy. Easy. What are your thoughts on the authentic self? Does it does it interest you at all as a concept? Well, it's interesting because I think I probably wasn't as bothered by it or I hadn't probably come across it as much until you alerted me to it. And then it's funny how you suddenly go, oh my God, that's clearly just been washing over me. But again, it's one of those things, like the more you sort of delve into it, you go, God, this really is very problematic. But then I've, yeah, I guess I've learned a lot from you over the last couple of days looking into this whole idea of an authentic self and is that even a thing? And it's Mm. been really interesting. I have to do a disclaimer, obviously it was something that was a big part of my own research so I've been interested in it for a while so I promise next week we can talk about <laughs> your, something, something that's pissing me off <laughs> I would say it's not that it pisses me off it's that it's fascinating to me that in a in a secular context we talk about it as something that's not religious when inherently it is such a religious thing because it's ultimately describing this immutable internal thing that's like a soul that is separate from your body I just think it's really interesting especially in if you're talking about you know coaching is supposed to be part of the social sciences and psychology not that there's anything wrong with religion I just think we need to acknowledge when we're doing it yeah so how do you see it being used in coaching um I haven't seen it showing up in coaching I've seen Mm -hmm. it showing up in coaching discourse so like I said if you google authentic self yes inevitably you're going to get coaching websites saying that that you know they will help you find it Mm. I think that term is one of the most prominent terms in particularly life coaching and things like that do you do have you seen it like that um, well, I guess I hadn't until you alerted me to it and then, you know, doing a, a Google search found the same as you. And I guess tied to this notion that you can't really be truly happy or truly, mm. you know, aligned with your values and purpose or whatever, unless mm. you're being true to this authentic self. Mm. Kind of similar to the mindset you know, mm-hmm. thing in terms of having this switch, mm. some kind of internal mechanism mm-hmm. or like um, this authentic core mm. that once you locate that, synchronicity yeah. <laughs> ensues, you know, um, yeah. and suddenly the world opens up to you. I guess that's how it's, I've read it. Well, it's a kind of salvation. That's mm. what it is. It's like you mm. you will find salvation when you find your when authentic When you self. are authentic. When yeah. you are authentic, then all these yeah. malaise of modernity, all these problems that we have in terms of, you know, constructing our own identity and it's all plastic and more freaked out because I can be whoever I want to be, and, you know, and, and then there's this stability. It's, oh, it's okay. There is this self. There is this place within me that is safe yeah. Yeah. and solid and immutable. Yeah. And yeah. I think that gives people a lot of comfort. But I, I yeah. Anyway. And discomfort. If there's that sense that, oh, maybe I'm not being my authentic self at the moment because I'm finding myself in this situation where normally I wouldn't maybe necessarily be comfortable in this, but there's a bigger need for me to be doing this. Mm. I can't even think of an example. Mm. But then am I being inauthentic by taking on this particular role or am I being inauthentic by attending this family party when I really don't want to be here. So in that sense, it's very much a product of an individualistic society, isn't it? There's nothing wrong with that. That just is a description of, of what it is. Mm-hmm. But obviously, it's. The, I think another reason it's religious is that how you just described it. It's denoting a positive element. The authentic self, therefore, is a good thing. Whereas, you know, there's been plenty of people who have 
made their own. Just Donald Trump is all about his authentic self, mm. you know? I mean, yeah. It, lots of people in the world have been guided by their own internal desires and what they need, you know, from yeah. a Freudian concept. It's like yeah. being driven by the id, really. So is that the authentic self? Mm. The, you know, my desires and my authentic yeah. self? Yeah, or I'm living my truth. I'm being my authentic self, therefore... Yeah, Jeffrey Dahmer lived his authentic self. Yeah. So I'd like to, if you don't mind, give a little bit of background from my own research on where I think this came yeah. from, this authentic self. Idea. Please, enlighten us. <laughs> now, this is going to sound a bit reductionist because obviously there are plenty of places that this idea came from. It, it, go, it goes back to Rousseau talking about the problems of socialization and then the romantics carried that flame further forward but I'm going to go back to the humanistic psychologists because I think from a coaching point mm. of view that's really where yeah. you know, existential psychology and humanistic psychology and things that started to look very much internally so starting again with Eric Fromm who wrote a book called The Fear of Freedom he particularly in that book describes the uh, as authentic freedom as only being possible through the location of the authentic self mm. he believed that humans had lost their authentic self particularly due to capitalist and consumer culture. He talked about the marketing orientation, mm. which is something that people take on when they become so obsessed with this consumerist culture. Mm-hmm. He looked at mass conformity and um, basically said, well, individuals are reduced to a machine. So we're this machine self. Mm-hmm. So in particular, his work on the powerlessness of the individual under the pressures of socialization and consumer society helped to inspire this eternal quest for the real self. Mm-hmm. You know, which we see as the main form of salvation, as we talked about in many kind of, not just Western spirituality today, but again, in coaching and things like that. So it's really interesting, I think, that from saw capitalism and consumerism as creating this kind of alienation of modern people. He, you know, he wrote, I am what I have and what I consume. That sense of right. being right. associated with these things. Jeez, that's really powerful. Say that again. I am what I... I am what I have and what I consume. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we can absolutely. You can see that. But everyone can also see how problematic that is, and that's why they want to kind of escape from that. Mm -hmm. The huge irony, then, is that the authentic self has itself become a commodity, right? Yes. So coaching packages are often sold as helping people to find their authentic self. Yep. Which is a commodity, which is exactly what Eric yep. Fromm was saying. This is what we're trying to escape. I mean, it's yes, just, that I is. love it. It's too That's That's too perfect. <laughs> so also, I think that these responses are obviously a reaction to the fascisms of the 20th century, you know, realizing that humans can act like soulless killing machines. I was just following orders, you know, that Nuremberg defense. Yeah. That fantastic Stanley Milgram experiment, obedience to authority, you know, mm, where you got people to yes. electrocute people because yes. someone in a white coat was telling them to. Yes, yes. So that was in the 1970s. That's really this time when people started to go, holy shit, am I really a machine? Am mm. I really just doing, could mm. I have been a Nazi? All the best research was done in the 70s, wasn't Yeah, it, it? was. It's true. That's before everyone. No ethics. Yes, no ethics. <laughs> approval. <laughs> ruined everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, so another humanistic psychologist was Abraham Maslow, who we've talked about mm-hmm. a bit as well. Yeah. Now, he talks a lot about the inner directed person, yes. you know, which definitely comes out a lot in coaching too. Yes. So the inner directed person to him was this symbol of psychological health, the one that would not be fooled by the madness of crowds or the forces of socialization, the mm-hmm. one that might be able to withstand Stanley Milgram's experiment. So that inner directed self is the self-actualized self, which is yes. language that people yes. still talk about a lot now, um, based on peak experiences. Have you heard that phrase before, to have a peak experience? Sure. 
So yeah. for, for Maslow, the religious experience is moved from this external thing to the internal. Right. And that's, again, part of finding that authentic self. Right. These peak experiences lead to self-actualization, and I think really they're the new religious experiences. They're bound up with that location of the authentic self. It's that yeah. salvation. I found it, and now I am fully alive. I'm fully present. Yeah. I mean, Maslow actually argued that humanity will be saved by psychology or not at all. You know, So this is where we see that psychology really becoming the new kind of religion. For sure. He even said psychology needs to take on the role of religion. Did he? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of humanistic psychologists thought that because they could see secularization creeping in. They could see religion on its way out. But they thought, well, we can't just leave this vacuum. This void, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we need something. And so this is what's going to... Uh Uh, People like Fritz Perls, Gestalt Therapy, probably Mm. heard of Mm. as well, Carl Rogers. They all saw salvation as occurring through what they called like man's true nature. So then the counterculture of the 1960s and onwards, this dualism of the authentic self versus the stories that kind of smother it Mm. really becomes a lot more prominent. I Mm -hmm. think you'll find that it's a big part of a lot of religions like Scientology. Mm. They use different language, but then a lot Mm. of religions that don't call themselves religions but come out of things like that, things that I've looked at as corporate religion, yes, use that same thing of looking at yourself getting smothered with stories and needing to pull them off. Oh, yeah, the sticky little stories that, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh That's all really... Uh, sort of epitomizing the human potential movement, which is that you yes. know, American West Coast somatic, yeah, all of the I'm naked video. massage. We need to see Renee <laughs> doing a little. I'm doing somatic jig. dancing. <laughs> Yeah, so in the 1970s, a really interesting sociologist interviewed a whole bunch of young people and they were all saying, they were describing God as being, quote, my ground of being or my true nature, which is a pretty big shift Mm -hmm. in a space of, you know, you wouldn't have gotten people in the 50s as describing God as my true nature. Sure. And of course, there's a lot of Eastern influence in that as well, but it's that. Yes. So God being an internalized as opposed to an external that's right and it being again the authentic self like like i said before i think it's it's not completely new there's Mm. that you know rousseau talked about socialization and the powers of socialization as being problematic to human nature and Mm. that we need to break free it's a huge part of like the western philosophy really and Mm. how we got to be so individualized but the thing about the individual in late modern western society i think is that it can be characterized as possessing a principally transient self so the self is always potentially alterable or changeable in every facet of our existence our jobs no one has one job anymore Yes. Not many people have one relationship. There's yes. all there's so much change that we're involved in. You yes. know, you can shift sexual orientation and religious belief and no one will blink. Yes. That's very much a part of what our ontology, really. Mm. A really interesting writer called David Leon wrote a book called Jesus in Disneyland and he's referred mm. to this as the plastic self. Mm. Mm. It's mm. incredibly flexible, amenable to infinite reshaping according to mood, whim, desire and imagination. Mm. And it's very much tied up with consumerism again you know who do i want to be today who do i want to be tomorrow so i think in that context even though we really enjoy that and we love it i think it creates a bit of psychological strain and i think that that notions of a genuine authentic self come to represent a kind of a new sacred do you know what i mean like Mm. a holy grail of ontological stability in a world of shifting identities where is my stable self Yes. It's really interesting because I'm really drawn to that idea of the plastic self. And I think that's actually quite, it gives people a lot of freedom to be quite flexible in who they present Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. on any given day, in Mm -hmm. any given context, as opposed to, I don't know, having this sense of 
um, I'm being inauthentic mm-hmm. if I'm not speaking up in meetings because that's my true self is to speak up as opposed to going, you know, this probably isn't the time for this. So yes. I'm just going to park that for now. Yeah, sure. I actually see that as being yeah, quite a freeing concept as opposed to this maybe this constant search as you're going through adulthood as well of what is my authentic self or am I being authentic? Am I being truthful in this moment or am I again being buffeted by the forces around me you know well totally and it again it assumes that we're living in a vacuum again humans do not live in a vacuum we are social animals and our reality is totally socially constructed Mm. so even what we feel is our authentic self Mm. is what the society around us Yes. has shaped us to feel that we yes. see what I mean. Yeah, yeah, and any yeah, other yeah. construct really is inherently supernatural, I think. Mm. To think that you have this thing that is separate not only from my body but from yes. society. Yes, this kind of sacred core or whatever yeah. that you're getting back to. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting what you're saying about presenting yourself, you know, in meetings or in different situations. There's, have you heard of a um, Goffman? No. The Presentation of Self in Everyday oh, Life? I've heard that title, but I didn't yeah. know the name of the guy. Yeah, yeah. well, just yeah. a sociologist who looked at, kind of looked at the creation of society and our behaviours through the metaphor of theatre, mm. you know, so that we're always presenting depending yes. on what, the theatre requires at the time. He talks about costumes. And of Mm. course we do that. We need to wear different costumes on our bodies in order to exist in society. You can't go to work in a bikini. No. I mean, you can, but it's going to... Is that your authentic self? What's going to happen to you? Yes. (laughs) Are you being inauthentic by not wearing a bikini to work? (laughs) That's it. And I think the other irony is you get a lot of people sort of promoting the idea of the authentic self in a very Instagrammy kind of culture where they're making themselves look super glamorous and being just be your authentic self and thinking, are you sure those six inch heels are your authentic self? Or they yeah. possibly might be a social construct of what people have told you is beautiful <laughs> yeah, or yeah, sexy. Yeah, yeah. Just an idea. And does it matter? You know, like going back to this plastic self, it doesn't matter that you want to wear the six inch heels well, and the bikini. Yeah, society and then the next doesn't. It, no. you know, so that's the irony of it. Exactly. Right? But let's not feel like we have to label it as being your authentic self. Well, because to label it as being your authentic self is laughable when you think about it. True. The closest thing you could come to your authentic self would be naked. Yeah. On the floor. Yeah. In the fetal position. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if that was your authentic self, maybe you'd spread out. Um, Where does vulnerability fit into all of this? And the reason I ask that is because, you know, obviously very popular work of Brene Brown, that whole idea of communicating with people in a more authentic way, Mm. letting down some of that presentation of self, Mm -hmm. I suppose, the guard, and being a little bit more vulnerable Mm. and that that can create better relationships, both personally and at work. I also, it also makes me think of oh, the work being done around DDOs, deliberately developmental organisations, mm-hmm. where they're saying their whole concept is um, we're, essentially when we go to work, we're doing two jobs. We're doing the job that we're paid for and we're doing the constant job of looking like we're, we're presenting ourselves mm. and trying not to appear like mm. we don't have weaknesses or we don't have things that we struggle with or we feel uncomfortable in this situation. Mm. And the whole idea of a de- deliberately developmental organisation is that there's this extreme openness about, hi, my name's Melanie and I am not a details person. So if you have a if you have an interaction with Melanie, you're probably going to have to be aware that she's not going to remember half of what you've said or she has to keep a lot of notes. However, she's really good at coming up with the big ideas, the big picture thinking. 
and they've to this to the extent where they've all, they actually map this stuff out and put it on the wall you know saying this is renee these are her strengths these are the things her watch outs i think they refer to them as so, just, I mean, God, you just covered so much. I don't might be getting off the track. No, no, no. It's also interesting. I want to talk about Brene Brown and then vulnerability. But I, the, that idea that you just said then is so fascinating because that's about self construct. That's about the construction of self and about putting yourself on the wall and saying, "Well, this is who I am." I mean, it I don't changes. know. It's ironic. Yeah. But it's ultimately you're going to live up to what's on the wall. And sure. it doesn't give a lot of room for the plasticity. Look, actually, maybe the next day, maybe things in my life are going to change a little bit. My context is going to shift. And then I am going to be able to start listening because maybe I've done a bit of self-reflection. Oh, sure. And look, I think the whole idea is that it's deliberately developmental, okay. meaning, yes, that's something that I probably struggle with. I'm constantly working on it. Yeah. You know, not to the point where, I mean, if you want to come come at it from a strengths perspective i'm I'm not going to focus on that too heavily i'm going to acknowledge it but that's something that you know doesn't come as naturally to me as perhaps chairing a meeting and getting everybody to think of big ideas or whatever i think that that's a really interesting concept and i think it speaks to the idea of authenticity more than the authentic self Mm. and i'd say the same thing about the Brene brown stuff in terms of being vulnerable because i think that's i mean a hundred percent believe that's really important yeah dissecting this stuff isn't saying it's bad it's just saying okay the extreme version is that you have this core authentic self Mm. moving back from that is acknowledging that we do have social masks Mm. you know not pretending like in the 1950s i don't know what you're talking about yes you know me on valium with my high heels and my martini we're acknowledging that we have social masks yes we're not saying and we're going to strip all that away and you know be the authentic self yes so acknowledging oh i'm feeling vulnerable that's just self-reflection yes isn't it there's a difference between that and saying i'm going to be my authentic self yes that's right but yeah. I think the other interesting thing about that too is that a lot of people are naturally shy or naturally mm. quiet. I mean, I could see how the word naturally even has a problem there. But that's just how they feel. Sure. And people will tell them that's not okay because ultimately they're not able to contribute, particularly now with the gig economy, but to contribute to a society in which you have to be able to sell yourself. Instagram, mm. social media gig economy all of that stuff mm. and it's become pathologized so it's not you're not shy anymore you've got social anxiety disorder it's kind of ironic in that authentic self i think a lot of people will coach you out of being shy by saying well that's just the stories that are being put on you actually your authentic self is this wonderful person who's able to do tits and teeth and shine and sell themselves and get yes. out there you've just got a block that's another word i hear a lot that there's some block stopping you from reaching your full potential or reaching your authentic self and is that block generally a story yes that you're telling yourself yes so that's that's the interesting thing i think that the Mm. because when you use an adjective like authentic Mm. it's inherently dichotomous there is therefore an inauthentic that's right inauthentic in all of this kind of discourse is about the stories you've smothered yourself with stories you've been socialized and again you can work with that right but we can talk about that later well Let's talk about that. Is this at all relevant to coach? Like, how can we use this? I mean, it's it's happening in coaching. It's being used in coaching. Mm. Do you see that it's got any utility? Yeah, not not the authentic self. It's too simple. It's reductionist. Yeah, it's not helpful. It's individualistic. Well, and again, that's okay it's placing. Again. It's okay, but again, it's placing this sole responsibility mm-hmm. and blame mm-hmm. on 
you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's putting you in a vacuum again. That's right, as opposed to you in, in your system. system. That's yeah. right. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, I mean, I think what was interesting, we had, um, you and I are in a continuous learning group, and mm-hmm. we had a wonderful colleague presenting on David Drake's work, who does narrative mm-hmm. coaching, and we also went to an event at Sydney University where he was speaking. And I think it's re- his work's really relevant because... Do you, you know what narrative coaching is, right? Kind of. You... <laughs> uh, no. You read okay. the book. You explain it. <laughs> um, narrative coaching is basically about, about stories. Yeah. So it's about using stories, very, very minimal questioning from the coach. Yes. And the person sort of using stories in order to... <laughs> explain order to... where they've come from, where they yeah. are presently, where they're going yes. to, kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Stories are one of the most powerful of well, the most powerful aspects of what it is to be human. There's oh, who's the guy who wrote? Oh, Yuval Harari. Yeah, yeah. So Sapiens and Homodeus, yeah. And he his theory. I mean, it's not his theory, but you know, he just basically suggests that the reason humans got to where we are now is because we tell stories, and mm. that those stories are as simple as this piece of paper means that you owe me a coffee. Uh-huh. that represents money that's ultimately a yes, story that we're yes, telling yes, ourselves yep. and that ability to create narrative about objects and things and ourselves is what has basically gotten us to here so there's mm-hmm. no doubt that they are incredibly powerful absolutely mm. so, and i really like i like i like david drake i like him i met him and i thought he was very interesting and i like his work i think he writes a lot about authenticity in a way that i find a little bit problematic but mm-hmm. um can i read you a quote please from his book, Narrative Coaching, he says, a coach he realizes, this is in a particular session, a coach he realizes that the posture, voice, and frame he is using to describe his situation are more a reflection of his familial and cultural heritage than his actual experience in the moment. His coach can then guide him to make new choices in terms of the relative weighting of each set of narratives and to find a more authentic voice as a result. I get that. That's more, that's again that reflection of being aware. Yes. Of the fact that we are socially yes. constructed. Yes. And, you know, being able to work within those parameters. Yes. There's been like a, there's been like a little, a zooming out almost. Yes. And seeing yourself within yeah. the context of, Which, yeah. Fantastic. Yep. Re- reflection, right? Mm. I guess it gets a little bit ironic for me when he argues that by using stories, mm-hmm. you know, in a way that feels crafted by the individual, I guess in narrative coaching, we can, quote, live more authentic lives. Mm-hmm. So authentic, authentic here is still just socially constructed, right? I mean, you can't construct anything on our own. It's not possible. We don't live in a vacuum. And Drake's a sociologist, so he would agree with that. He knows mm. that he, he, he recognises the social construction of reality in the book. Mm-hmm. So what can authentic actually mean? What, what does it mean to live an authentic life? What's an inauthentic life? Mm. Mm. Can you have an inauthentic life? And does it matter? Maybe the question isn't about authentic versus inauthentic, but it's about a life of reflection versus the unexamined life. That Socratic mm-hmm. idea that the unexamined life isn't worth living. Mm-hmm. Is that what we're looking at? Self-reflection? Well, I guess that's the, the better spin on it, isn't it? Because I guess it does matter. If, if you feel like you're living an inauthentic life, that would matter to the person who thinks that. Yeah, but why are they thinking that? Is it because of the coaching Kool-Aid? Is it because they're getting a sense, oh my God, I not... should worry about it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. Is it creating more crisis than it's actually 
For sure. I mean, if we don't know what it is, it's like the minds, like the mindset. If I don't know what it is, how can I change it? If I don't know what it is to be authentic. Yeah. So a positive take on it could be the examined life as opposed to the unexamined life. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think so, because that's something that we can engage in all the time, isn't it? We mm. can always engage in self-reflection, but mm-hmm. I think it's much harder to engage in attempting to locate that authentic self. Yeah, and examining your life, to me, seems to um, imply that it's ongoing, as in you're always working at it, as opposed to I'm living authentically. Like, yes. I've put on my authentic hat and now I'm living my life authentically. That's it. Yeah. And that I think that speaks to the idea of the self that comes out in self-determination theory. The way that the self is perceived in that is that sort of a dynamic process. Mm. The self isn't sort of fixed or rigid in that regard. It's it's sort of an active process of experience that's that works better when conditions mm. are met for relatedness and competence and autonomy. Mm. That that's when it's and I don't know thinking about the self as being more expansive in that Mm. way rather than internalized Mm. i guess that authentic self is that core or that internal thing yes whereas again or maybe if you think about adult development theory the idea of it growing yes that to me is describing a much more systemic yes approach to it as well isn't it in terms Mm. of you're constantly being guided by the forces around you and 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 molded that's right, yeah, mm. as opposed to being an island <laughs> with your little core authentic self. Mm. So then in a coaching context, when if confronted with this, you know, I want to be living a more authentic life, how would you approach that? I'd question what the person means by authentic. authentic. Yeah. yeah, because th- there could be a lot of meat on those bones. Mm. There could be a lot of things you could explore. Yeah, for but sure. But it's such a subjective term in that regard then, isn't it? Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I'm trying to think because I certainly haven't had anyone be as, you know, overt as I'm really wanting to live more authentically or I want to find my authentic self. Like I said, I think I haven't even really come across, well, I haven't been a a conscious of authentic self being part of the discourse, I suppose, until you mentioned it and then I was noticing it coming up. Do you notice it now? Yeah. Yeah, and I've mentioned it to people Uh as the fact that this is a topic and they're like, oh, yes. Hate that, you know. Oh, like, really? Yeah. Okay, so, so it's like mindset, it's something that grinds up against people. Yeah, okay. and I think probably they haven't realised that it is actually a frustrating or a problematic term until someone says, you know what, you probably don't need to be worrying about this. Yeah, so, interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think like you, it would just be, I'd probably turn it back in terms of what does authentic mean for you, how do you think you're being inauthentic, mm. you know? And why so, does that matter? And why does it matter, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Who's that, who else is that? Because Instagram's told you. Instagram's <laughs> told you. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I think in terms of, because I think in when we think about self-reflection, for me it always does come back to that um, adult development theory and the idea of what Michael Kavanagh talks about in terms of perspective-taking capacity, taking on more perspective or what he would call holding the torch higher so that you're viewing things that are further outside of yourself in a way, that's developing a different way of viewing the self by expanding outwards rather than digging inwards. Yes, yes, like somehow you're going to locate this authentic self that you've lost somewhere along the way. Yeah. As opposed to you're building it you're all built, the time. It's in and it's dynamic. And there's yeah. also that sense that it is going to shift. Yeah, I think it sort of makes this idea, the concept of self, more fluid. Yeah. It's certainly for me to 
have the mindset switch <laughs> of thinking about authentic self or the self in that way for me personally is much more empowering myself whatever that is can be quite fluid it doesn't have to be fixed and that doesn't mean I'm being inauthentic mm. or not truthful yeah I think it takes the pressure off yeah. trying to locate this authentic self yeah. yeah and it also breaks away from that dichotomy again that I must be being inauthentic if I'm not being authentic yeah. I must be being inauthentic that's right the black or white thinking mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think my takeaway from this, uh, from a coaching perspective, is not to completely disregard the idea of a self because we need it as humans, obviously. We can't pretend that we don't. It's a very powerful illusion whether there is one or not. We need it. We need to believe there is a self and that self-analysis and self-reflection is one of the most vital practices for us in order to have good relationships and to flourish. Hmm. Yeah. 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 To continue to reflect, think critically, analyse your thoughts, your actions and your behaviour, rather than attempting to strip away the stories to find the authenticity. Yeah, and kind of be open to the fact that new experiences, meeting new people, is going to build on yourself Mm -hmm. and and possibly change yourself and Mm. change your beliefs about things. Mm. (gasps) Scary. (laughs) You know, and it doesn't mean you're being inauthentic. It just means you're, like you say, folding in other people's perspectives and you're Mm. holding the torch higher, as Mike would say. Yeah, that's it, which is a a sign of growth. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. Yeah. So I really feel like there's so much to unpack with this concept of self. We'll probably talk about in another podcast from a different perspective um, in the future. There's so much to be said on the self in regard to coaching, obviously. So if you have anything to add, including fierce disagreement with what we've said, we would welcome, (laughs) of course. Please let us know. We'll fold that into ourselves. Um, so you can email us anytime at info at space to think that's to the number dot net we'd love to hear from you about today's podcast um, or about anything else that you would like us to discuss yeah thanks Mel thanks see you next time